Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 49 and we are recording on October 4th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. What, what? It is so nice. It's like 50 degrees. Well, not at the moment. It was like 50 degrees <laughs> when I woke up this morning. So I decided I'm going to roast a chicken Ooh, today. The first one yes. of the fall. Yes. I'm going to roast some sweet potatoes later. It's a roasting kind of day. It is a roasting kind of And then later I'm going to watch the VP debate. Because, you know, Tim Kaine is, is America's dad, and you got to watch that. Mm. <laughs> Not so much. Nope. I <laughs> cannot. It just Hard sends cast. me into anxiety spirals. Um, but I'm, I'm there in spirit, I guess. I, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get a little drunk. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seems like a very normal way to cope with that kind of thing. <laughs> I make cookies. I have friends over. Yeah. We get drunk and we live tweet. Like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> the last election when the results were coming in, I was sitting in my bed stress eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> like, at, like, just hitting refresh on my computer over and over again. And this year, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. but speaking of things that happen after the election. Sorry, hey! Wait, what? Book Riot Live is going to be November 12th and 13th, so no matter what happens, you should come and be among friends who love books. Um, because it will be delightful. It will be so much fun, and nobody will talk about the election. We, we here and now promise it. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to send a note to all of the speakers. <laughs> no election talk. Um, we have a lot of amazing speakers. It's a two-day convention celebrating books and the reading life. It's going to be so much fun. There's lots of panels you can check out online. And you can get $20 off your ticket if you use code JAZZHANDS when you register. Because you're listening to Get Booked and we love you. Okay, that's my mm-hmm. pitch. Come hang out with us. Mm-hmm. All right, so as I mentioned, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. So if you have a recommendation that you need, you can email it to us at getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop it in the form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. Uh, If it's a time-sensitive question, please note that in the subject line of your email or at the very, very top of your question if you drop it in the form so that we can see it. Uh, We are answering some questions by email these days because we are almost 50 episodes in and we're starting to get some repeat questions. So if we've already answered your question in a previous episode, we don't expect you to have listened to all of them. So we will um, answer those questions via email and send you new suggestions or links to the old shows or whatever is applicable. All right, so we will get to our first question now and then do our first sponsor and go do do all the things. Indeed. <laughs> all right, the first question is from Elizabeth. My big brother, age 42, was in a terrible car accident in early August, which kept him on a respirator in the ICU for a few weeks. That's so terrible. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay, the question continues. A few days ago, the docs finally let him go home, which means he's moving back in with my mom while he was on the mend. The three of us are all big readers and thought it might be fun to start a book club. His request at this time is that the books not be too sad or scary. I recommended Where'd You Go Bernadette, and that was a big hit. Uh, Traditionally, he has mostly read sci-fi and fantasy, but I'm having a hard time coming up with recs that are not sad and or scary and are not too awkward to read with your mom, age 66, and little sister, age 33. (laughs) Legit. (laughs) Legit. (laughs) Okay. I just realized that the ones that I picked are funny, and that might not be a great thing for somebody with punctured lungs like oh, laughing geez. might be hard. whatever well, well i hope it's fine <laughs> sorry if that's not gonna work um, anyway uh so let's do our first sponsor um now i'm all in a i'm all in a tizzy um our first sponsor is a title actually a set of titles uh, it's uh crooked kingdom which is the sequel um to six of crows by lee bardugo so you're probably familiar with that name lee bardugo wrote the grisha trilogy um which is like very cool Russian YA fantasy dystopia romance that I was like 
completely obsessed with when I read it when they were coming out a couple years ago. So this takes these two books, um, Six of Crows being the first one, Crooked Kingdom being the newest sequel, take place in that same universe, in the Grisha universe. Completely different characters, though. They take place uh, two years after the the initial trilogy is over. And so it follows a, a crew of petty or not so petty criminals led by a ringleader named uh, Kaz Brucker and his, you know, like band of merry men and ladies who go about doing crime. Um, In Cricket Kingdom, the sequel to Six of Crows, they've just pulled off this big, huge heist that it's so daring that they didn't think they would survive at all. Um, But instead of, you know, dividing up the big reward and going on about their lives, they are back to fighting for their lives. They've been double-crossed. They're weakened, they're low on resources, they don't have a lot of allies, they don't have a whole lot of hope that they're going to get out of this mess that they found themselves in. Um, so all of these big powerful forces from around the world are like descending on Ketterdam, which is the city where the books take place, uh, to root out the secrets of a drug that exists in the universe called uh, Jirtaparam. All these old rivals and like new enemies that they've made are starting to come out to challenge Kaz, who's the you know ringleader of this like just really fun heisty crime ring um, and to test all of their loyalties to each other and it's basically like a crime war so like a gang war in a Russian fantasy land where people have powers if that makes sense which is amazing Um, (laughs) so if you (laughs) have read uh, the Grisha trilogy already or even if you haven't you don't necessarily have to have read the original trilogy to read this new set of books uh, Six of Crows or Crooked Kingdom but it does help there's some background so if you like those then do check those out if you like YA or fantasy at all then this is right up your alley so that's crooked kingdom which is the sequel to six of crows both of which are by lee bardugo okay moving on to the books that maybe are not great (laughs) (laughs) i think they're good picks okay maybe he can laugh softly yeah all right well the the second one's not anyway moving on so my first pick i'm just gonna keep going now that i'm like digging myself into this whole (laughs) shovel motion is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams uh because it's it is science fiction and it's like not at all sad or scary and if you like the if you're um, family liked Where'd You Go Bernadette. You know, that book is really funny. So maybe it'll be fun. So that's the one that I picked. And this book is absurd. It's absurd and fun and a great thing to read if you're like having a hard time and just want to put your brain somewhere else where ridiculous things are happening in a very Monty Python sort of fashion. Um, so the main character in Hitchhiker's Guide is Arthur Dent, who is taken off the planet Earth by his friend Ford just a few seconds before Earth is demolished to make way for a galactic freeway. Um, His friend Ford is a researcher and writer of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, which is, you know, the same as the title, that contains a lot of helpful advice for people who are traveling the universe, like always have a towel, that kind of thing. Um, And it's got a bunch of really wacky side characters. Uh, Zaphod is the president of the galaxy, who's also a two-headed, three-armed ex-hippie. His girlfriend, Trillian, uh, um, who Arthur Dent actually tried to pick up at a cocktail party once, and they just go on various and sundry, bizarre and strange and hilarious adventures, some of which involve, like, whales floating in space. So it's weird and quirky, um, and I laugh so hard when I read this book, like, and I've re- I read it a couple of times. There's a whole series, so if you or any of your family members like it, there's, I think, five or six. Um, so that's The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, which is hilarious. Extremely cosine. Uh, I also have a space adventure for you. Um, my first pick is Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which I can never say right the first time, uh, <laughs> by Becky Chambers, which is one of the most fun space operas that are not written by Douglas Adams that I've read in a while. Um, it is just a really delightful story. Uh, it is about a crew of people who build wormholes in space because that's a job. And um, they are they build the wormholes so that people can get from one side of the galaxy to the other quicker and easier. So they're basically like a road crew, except that they're in space and they're, you know, building wormholes. Um, and it's a multi-species crew. So there's like some aliens of different kinds and there's some humans from different places and everybody's kind of a mishmash. Uh, but it all kind of works. They're, they're this, you know, intrepid band, as it were. Um, and the story picks up on them taking on a new crew member who has some, you know, secrets in her past. And they get a big job to do this, uh, like, big new project for um, a new team-up of, like, species. It's a political thing. So they have this epic journey to go to the other side of the galaxy to build this wormhole for this new political alliance. 
And a lot of the journey is the story. Like, there is a bunch of tense moments at the very end, but in between, you're just really getting to know the crew and, like, where they're coming from, and they have some little mini-adventures, and it's just so much fun. Um, And I really loved all the characters so much. And I think it is the first in a series, so hopefully we will be getting more soon. Uh, but I just, I just loved it. I loved it. My other favorite thing about this book is that there are a couple of couples, but none of them are of the same species in the yeah. couples. So like that just is delightful. Uh, so the book again is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Okay, my second one might seem a little bit out of left field, but I've got a reason. So it's An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth by Commander Chris Hadfield. This is a part memoir, part kind of self-helpy book a little bit. Um, Is it Commander or Colonel? Whatever. Uh, Chris Hadfield, I'm sure most of you would remember, was an astronaut who was on the space station for a while who kind of went viral on YouTube for that video he did playing uh, the David Bowie song, Spaceman or Space Odyssey. What's the name of that song? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Anyway, he did it. Space something. Yeah, he did a David Bowie cover while on the space station of a song about a dude in space, and it went viral. And then he did a series of videos about life on the space station, like what happens, how astronauts cut their hair, how astronauts eat peanut butter and jelly, like that kind of stuff. Um, So he was really, really well known. And then he wrote this book, which is about how he became an astronaut, um, which is, of course, a notoriously difficult and seemingly impossible career path, and how astronauts prepare for... Um, kind of the worst so in that like most self-help books not most but many self-help books are you know about like envisioning the life that you want and positive thinking and all of that but Chris Hadfield the way that he became successful and the way that he manages his career as an astronaut and the way that NASA teaches you really to think as an astronaut is to actually envision the worst possible outcome for every single situation and then work your way backwards towards uh, like how to prevent those things from happening step by step so it's kind of the opposite of everything that we've been sort of trained about how to like think positively and all that stuff. Um, apparently that is ineffective. So I picked this because your brother likes science fiction, so you know it's in space. Um, he's really funny and entertaining. It's really easy to read, but also it seems like if you're in kind of like a tough spot, reading a book about how somebody else got their life together without faux happy BS, you know, might be like helpful or. or not make you feel better because it's not his fault he was in a car accident, but um, I don't know. It just seems like a better pick for a nonfiction than like positive thinking is great. Well, I'm in the hospital, you know, <laughs> like that's not that doesn't help your brother at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's just great. It's like a funny, great read, and I think it would be interesting to read um, with people from different ages, uh, which obviously your mom and your younger sister uh, and your brother are. So people from different points in life might have different interpretations of his philosophy. So there'd be a lot to talk about. So that's an astronaut's guide to life on Earth by Chris Hadfield. My second pick for you is called Bellwether by Connie Willis. The, the great and excellent Connie Willis. Um, it is about, unlike her, she's got a bunch of time travel history books, which are awesome. But this one is kind of a standalone side novel about a woman named Sandra Foster, who is a scientist who studies fads in Boulder, Colorado. And this is like a very satirical novel. Like she she studies trends for a living. And so she's like looking around her at like the people in the coffee shop or like her coworkers. Um and like analyzing which trends they're following. And then her the the place where she works, which is called high tech, um, is like they wanna know how to predict fads in order to like basically create one and make a ton of money off of it. Like, they're trying... It's like the... I think this book was written in, like, the 90s, so it's like the 90s version of going viral. Um, And they are subject to all of the latest trends in management, so she's subjected to all of these ridiculous, like, team-building moments. Um, And then while she's in the middle of this study, uh, she starts to notice this other man in the company who's another scientist who seems to be immune to trends. So she's, like, following him around, trying to figure out, like, how it is that he is immune to fads. Um, And, of course, like, you know, romance happens. Um, And there's this really epic, funny, 
like situation with a herd of sheep that get drafted as part of an experiment. Um, there's a really entertaining receptionist character. Like it's just such a fun novel. It's really entertaining. It's really smart. It's really like clever and dryly funny. Um, and it's sweet. Like it's not like saccharine sweet, but it's sweet. So I feel like that might be a good, it's not unlike Where'd You Go Bernadette in that it has a lot of nice feelings along with all of the like ridiculousness and like poking fun at society. So I thought if you liked that one, this might be a good one. So that is Bellwether by Connie Willis. Okay, question two is from Carrie. She says, I am almost 31 years old and I have a three-year-old son, and my boyfriend and I have decided to separate after almost 10 years together. I'm moving cross-country to be with my family, and I am sad, depressed, angry, and anxious. I'm moving in with my dad and feel like I'm basically going back to where I was when I was 20, but worse because I won't have my own place yet, won't have much of my own money initially, and I have my sweet son to take care of. I'm wondering if you have any book recommendations to help me with this transition. Um, let's, and if you happen to know of a book for toddlers about parents separating, that would be an added bonus. Okay, so I have been here. I separated from my husband when my kids were four. Um, so I was almost like literally in the same place. So I picked two books that I read like right after I had moved out um, that really helped me with that transitional period. Uh, the first one is Wild by Cheryl Strayed, which might seem like a little cliche, but you know, things are cliches for a reason. Um, and her, if you haven't read it or seen the movie, um, it's about a, a girl, a, well, she's kind of a girl, she's in her early 20s, but a woman who has uh, split up from her husband because she made a bunch of horrible decisions. Uh, she got into drugs, she cheated on him a lot after her mother died, and she went into this like grief spiral. Um, and so to get back, to get her life back on track and kind of rediscover herself, she decides to hike the Pacific Crest Trail by herself, which is several, like, thousand miles, and she has never hiked before in her life. So it's a really foolhardy undertaking, um, and so she just kind of sets out into the wilderness on this like spirit quest um and i there's so much in this book that is like inspirational her writing is amazing but just um kind of reading about a woman leaving because she wanted to and not necessarily because she had been wronged she's actually the one who wrongs um but leaving because she wanted to and because she knew it was the right decision for herself and then going off and doing a thing for her own self um was really helpful to me so that's wild by cheryl Strayed. Uh, yes, Cosign. Um, my divorce is several years behind me, and I don't have kids, but I feel you. Um, you are not alone. <laughs> and my first pick for you is Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes for a couple of reasons. Um, one of the reasons is that, despite how it might seem like her life is perfect because she's Shonda Rhimes, um, <laughs> her life is not perfect, and she really struggles with a lot of things that all of us struggle with. Family members, relationships, like knowing who you are in those relationships, um, how to say no to people when you need to say no to people, all of these things. And, um, and she discovered she was hiding from a lot of opportunities in her life and didn't even realize it. So this is kind of a book about how she stopped hiding and started to be to live more the way that she wanted to live. And while your problems are not going to be the same as hers, um, I think the baseline idea of like figuring out how to say yes to yourself when you need to is going to be super helpful. Um, and also she's funny. And like there I, I went back and forth about what to pick for this because there's so many great books about like grief and separation and starting your life over. But a lot of them are kind of depressing. I mean, they're, they're depressing because they're real and messy and they have those feelings, but I just thought maybe something a little bit lighter might be worth uh, throwing in there, in addition to all of the like serious stuff, because that's, that's helpful too. But every now and then you need a little lightness, and Chandra Rhymes is really good at, at speaking truth, but in a really entertaining way. So that is Year of Yes by Chandra Rhymes. Okay, my second uh, pick for you is Split by Suzanne Finnamore, and this is a memoir of her first year of separation from her husband, who uh, leaves her, he says, you know, just because he, like, deserves to be happy, but he's actually been cheating on her, but anyway, um, not important. She has a small son who is one or two when the book starts, and it's about that, you know, that first year where you're just in it, like, you're in the anger, you're in the what am I going to do about money, um, who should move out, me or him or her or whatever. Um, all of those like big messy questions, like your friends bringing you bottles of wine and you getting drunk and crying on the couch, like that kind of stuff that you do um, after a big messy breakup. Um, and so there's not a lot, I, I mean, there aren't like answers in this book necessarily because there, you know, everyone's situation is different and there are no universal answers about how to deal with separation when you have a child. But she is the primary caregiver. You know, he moves out and she has to deal with both shielding her son from 
the stuff in that situation that could affect him negatively and uh, also deal with like keeping her own sanity so it's it is it was nice for me in like a but you know, just an, I, I'm not the first or the last person by any any stretch of the imagination who ha- is going through this, and other people have thought really deeply and interestingly about how to handle the situation. Um, and some people have done it more messily than I have, and some people have done it m- not as messily or whatever. Um, so it's just comforting. It's comforting that you can read about someone else's experience years later after they've like figured it out. And their life is cool now. So, like, hope. Um, so that's split <laughs> by Suzanne Finnamore. Um, yeah. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, my second pick for you is, I thought it was just me, but it isn't, by Brene Brown. Uh, you may have heard of her. She had, like, a TED Talk go viral, and she's got a bunch of books, including Daring Greatly and Rising Strong. This is actually her one of her earlier books. I don't know if it's her first one, but I think it was one of the earlier ones. And... Um, What it is about is something that will sound probably immediately familiar to you. Women, especially, but all of us in society, um, but particularly women, are taught to to answer to all of these social expectations. Like, this is how you have to be. This is how you have to present yourself. This is how you should be on the inside as well as on on the outside. Um, And if you are not those things, you feel ashamed. And I think especially when you hit a life situation that is such a big, big roadblock and you've been in a relationship for a really long time and so you've been defining a lot of things about your life and yourself by that relationship it can feel really scary because you don't know who you are anymore and you may feel like you are not the same you don't have the same value because now like you know your life has fallen apart and that's just not true um and what this book does is like shines a light on those misconceptions that so she like breaks down like what it is that society can tell you about yourself and then like how to rewrite that narrative and how to like get in your head about you know how you can be a powerful human no matter what you are like um and she's just really good I think at breaking out that stuff because she's a shame researcher she did like she came out of social work so she did tons of interviews and case studies with all of these people about situations that they had been in and how they felt about it and what they believed about it and she worked with therapists etc 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 so like these are all stories from real people and all of her research is based on real people and I think it's really effective because of that so I feel like this could be helpful for as you're trying to figure out like okay now what (laughs) because that is one of the hardest things after leaving a long relationship um so that is i thought it was just me but it isn't uh by Brene brown okay you also asked for books for um kids for toddlers or young kids uh that are about parents separating so i'll just go ahead and say the two that i've got really quickly for you the first one is a day with dad it's by Bo holmberg and i don't know you didn't mention in your uh question if your son will be having any contact or communication with your ex. Um, but just in case that you guys will be living far away, this is a, a book about a little boy named Tim who lives with his mom and his dad lives far away in another town. Um, and his dad comes into town for a day and they spend the day together. So um, the little boy, you know, introduces his dad to strangers and they go out and they have pizza and they go to the library. Um, and then at the end of the day, the dad goes home and, you know, the little boy is sad, but he knows they'll be together um eventually again soon so if that's a situation like a custody thing that sounds similar to what your situation will be like that might help uh, your son with the adjustment another one that's uh, pretty popular is called two homes it's by claire masserell and it's uh, about a kid named alex who has two homes obviously mommy's home daddy's home and the book is really really sweet and like reassuring about how um you know you lose some things as a kid when your parents split up but you also get like love in two different houses which is kind of neat so it's it's more about like the reassurance that no matter what or no matter what your parents or how they feel about each other you know that your parents will always love you so if that's a thing you want to focus on then that's uh, another one uh, I also have two picks for you. The first one is The Family Book by Todd Parr. Um, and it's a very, like, silly, bright-colored kind of book. And neither of my picks are about divorce specifically. But this one in particular is about how lots of families look different. So, like, some families have a mommy and a daddy who live together. And some families have a mommy and daddy who don't live together. And some families have two daddies. And some have two mommies. And some only have one. And it's all just kind of about how every family is different. But that doesn't make 
them any less than any other kind of family, um, which I thought might be reassuring. Uh, and then the other one is called The Invisible String by Patrice Karst and the illustrator is Jeff Stevenson. And this one is about the concept in the book is about like how we are all connected to the people we love by an invisible string. So like no matter how far away you are from each other, you're still connected. I know it's very like cutesy, but um, but I thought, you know, since it sounds like maybe you will not be seeing your ex much, if at all, um, and maybe your son is attached to him, it might be helpful to have something that tells him that, like, no matter how far apart you are, you guys are still connected. Uh, so that's why I thought of that one. Uh, okay, next question is from Lori. Um, says, my husband and I are driving to Williamsburg, Virginia for a week cell. For a week vacation to celebrate our one-year wedding anniversary, we are looking for an audiobook or maybe two since we're driving from Midcoast, Maine to listen. Uh, we are driving from Midcoast, Maine. Okay. In the past, we have listened together to 14 by Peter Klein's Nevermore by Neil Gaiman, etc., etc., um, our plan for the week is to do some Halloween stuff as well as historical things, so what do you think would be a couple of great suggestions based on these details? All right. Uh, I've been talking for a while. Amanda, you go. Okay. Um, I pick, Okay, my first one is The Rook by Daniel O'Malley, and I picked this because it's super long but also really um, engaging and will keep your interest all the way up and down the coast, maybe and back. <laughs> I don't know how long exactly the drive is um, from here to Maine, but I imagine it's quite long and this audiobook is like 18 hours um so this is a like modern fantasy not really horror suspense mystery about a woman named miffany which is spelled like mifonwi but it's anyway pronounced like tiffany miffany thomas she wakes up standing up in a park in london surrounded by dead bodies she doesn't know how she got in the body that she's in that she's like currently occupying and then she finds a note in her pocket, in her jacket pocket that was left there by the person who used to occupy that body. So through these, like, series of notes that she finds and clues left by the person who used to be in that, that body, Miffany realizes that she is what's called a rook, a high-level administrative operative in this, like, super-secret agency in London that protects the world from supernatural threats, basically. Um, she realizes that there's a mole in uh, the rookery in the agency and that somebody is trying to kill her. Uh, she also figures out that she has, like, some really bizarre powers. Um, and the funny thing, the thing that I really liked about this book is that it's it's very it's about a bureaucracy like Miffany is a high level administrator like a CEO or something like or like a really high level manager um, and so there are operatives that like go out and fight and do battles and there's like violence and supernatural there's like vampires and stuff um, but like her job is like she's a paper pusher and so a lot of the conflict is between her and other paper pushers one of whom is a person who has four bodies which is like really hard to wrap your head around when you're reading but it's a really interesting uh, trope so you have to get to the bottom of the conspiracy, find out who the mole is, who's trying to kill her, what happened to, like, the original consciousness that occupied her body, um, why there are, like, a cult-based... Why there's, like, a cult around, like, deer. That's a whole other subplot. There's a lot going on in this book. But it's, like, funny and super fast-paced and very engaging. And, like, if you're when I was reading it on paper, I couldn't put it down. So if you're listening to it on audio, audio it'll probably just, like, make the miles um, fly by. And it feels very Halloween-y. So that's The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. I also picked science fiction novels for you because your picks were very speculative, which I appreciated. Um, my first pick is a collection of short stories because I thought that might be an interesting road trip experience. Like every now and then you're going to pause for breaks anyway, so maybe it would be interesting to have something that has its own breaks built in. Um, and the collection is called Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang. Um, I am having a hard time shutting up about this collection, which has actually been published several times over, but vintage most recently republished it and there is an audiobook um and it's seven different stories uh, excuse me eight different stories and um and they have a huge range so like the first one is like 
ancient Babylonians trying to build a tower from Earth to Heaven. Um, and there's another story in there about a guy who becomes a super genius after being part of a clinical trial. And, like, what happens to you when you suddenly discover you are a super genius? Um, and then another one is about uh, an alien visitation, the first time aliens come to Earth. Um, and that one is actually being made into a movie called Arrival, which looks like it's going to be pretty interesting. Although, as far as I can tell from the trailer, they're not sticking particularly closely to the storyline. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> and there, I mean, there's just all kinds of different stories in here, and they're all really good. I think Chang has like a real eye for weird concepts that that he can then turn into compelling short stories. Um, so if that sounds appealing, I highly recommend it. So that is Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang. Okay, the second one I picked is Bird Box by Josh Mallerman, which I selected because Halloween stuff, and I apparently just ignored the historical <laughs> things part of your question and just latched on to Halloween because that's what I'm into. Also, you listed a lot of kind of creepy books, um, so I figured you would like this one. This is so creepy and unnerving. It's a horror novel about a woman who lives in, you know, like modern day, and then people start killing themselves because of something like you don't really know man i'm like way ahead of myself rewind so there is something that's out there in the world it might be aliens maybe a monster maybe nothing you don't know that when people look at it they kind of lose their minds and kill themselves so humanity has started reacting to that by like boarding themselves up in houses locking their doors not leaving boarding up windows all of that sort of thing um and so mallory who is the main character uh, the book takes place about five years after all this has started. Humanity is reduced. Obviously, the population is much smaller. She lives in an abandoned house by a river with her two small children who were born during uh, this, the beginning of this, like, outbreak or whatever. And so she leaves her house um, after she gets a phone call from someone and realizes that there's, like, another community of survivors out there. And she has to make it down the river to their community um, without her or her children opening their eyes and seeing this thing that exists out there. And so, like, not knowing what the monster is or looks like or what you're supposed to fear is the most unsettling, like, narrative device I've read in a horror novel in a long time. And the fact that she's got these two kids that she has to teach um, and, like, train to never open their eyes when they're outside the house, and they're only five, is, like, so, it's just, yeah, sounds. <laughs> it's creepy sounds. It's so unsettling and weird. And I feel like this would be such a great audiobook because the book is so focused on the things that you hear. Um, and some of the creepiest moments are, like, when she puts on the blindfold and has to go outside to the well and hears a leaf rustle somewhere off in the distance and never, ever knows if that's a thing that's come to kill her or if it's just a leaf. Um, so I think that would be a, like a rad and super creepy and therefore rad because I like the sort of thing um, audiobook experience. So that's <laughs> Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. It's very meta. Okay, it's such a good wreck. It's such a good wreck. <laughs> I apparently ignored both Halloween and historical and just went straight for like you guys like science fiction and fantasy and thrillers and books that are weird. Um, so my second pick is Aleph the Unseen by G Willow Wilson, which is a super fast paced kind of like cyberpunky uh, fantasy novel, which you don't get very often. Um, it takes place in an unspecified Middle Eastern state uh, where this like kind of gray hat hacker, like he's not, a, uh, he doesn't do bad stuff, but he does like some kind of shady stuff. Um, and his hacker name is Aleph. Um, and he uh, is in love with this woman who then sort of, you know, tosses him over for a prince um, in an arranged marriage. And then his computer gets breached by the state's, like, security force. And then, um, the, like, it turns out that his ex's fiance is now after him for various reasons. Um, and the whole thing conspires to send him on, like, this crazy pants adventure. He goes underground. He meets all of these different people, including a djinn. Uh, like, you know, the kind that live in bottles. Um, and, uh, and he's got to, like basically fight for the future of his his country um but that he didn't even know was like in peril for magical and regular forces <laughs> so there's a lot of cool characters it's a it is a page turnery kind of book so i think it would be good for a road trip um there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here that you don't usually see in like hacker novels especially that it's a fantasy novel about a hacker like i love it so that is alice the unseen by g willow wilson 
All right. Our next question is from Chelsea. Um, she says, I know you've had a recent string of recommendation of recommending books to significant others who don't read, but my boyfriend does like to read, but he doesn't like to be tied down to a book for days or weeks on end. His ideal reading session is to be able to complete a story in one rather short sitting. I, on the other hand, can sit and read for hours and hours. I'd love to find him some collections of short stories so he has something to keep, keep him occupied while I do my own reading. The quirkier or more fantastical, the better. For example, he loves Welcome to Night Vale. Okay, so um, my first pick is Intimations by Alexandra Kleeman. This is a new book. It's a collection of 12, sh 12 short stories um, from the woman who wrote You Two Can Have a Body Like Mine. So these are super weird. You said quirky, and I went to, like, the quirkiest thing that I've read in a really long time. Um, I'm doing – I'm moderating a panel at Wordstock Book Festival in Portland about literature of the absurd, and she's on it. So if that gives you a hint about, like, what you could expect from this. Um, they are 12 – there's 12 short stories, and they are all narratives of either birth, life, or death. And so um, – like, I'm trying to think of one that's, like, easy to describe, but there I don't think there is one because they're all so bonkers. Like, there's one about a family that builds a house that is designed to keep the weather out, but it's actually, like, about death. Um, and there's a story about a woman who wakes up at her dining room table surrounded by her family and all of her fiancé is plural and has no recollection of who she is or what she's doing there, and she just has to pick a husband. And that's, like, the point of the story. That's, like, what she does. Um... So he actually might stop to interrupt you not to be like, why are you still reading? But to be like, what is happening? I have to talk about this with another human because I keep doing that to all of my friends, like texting them like this story so bonkers. Um, but if he like digs the weirder side of fiction, I think he will really like these. But they're not weird for weirdness's sake. Like she's making a point. They're very interesting and um, esoteric. So yeah. So that's Intimations by Alexandra Kleeman. I also picked the weirdest thing I could think of, um, <laughs> one of which is Three Moments of an Explosion by China Mievel, which is a short story collection. Um, and it is a big old fat, like 400 page short story collection. So if, if you're looking for something that will keep him occupied for a while, <laughs> but like in small pieces, this is that thing. Um, China Mabel's brain is, like, a really strange and terrifyingly wonderful place. So, so it, like, in the same way that Welcome to Night Vale, you're like, this is creepy and also funny and also really smart. Um, that's how I feel when I read Mabel stories. Uh, some of them are written in, like, very odd forms. Um, like, one of them is just a really long movie review. Um, and other ones are, like, very straightforward, like, you know, personal narratives. Um, one of them is about a little boy who's, like, running along uh, following this glacier that has appeared in the sky. Um, and another one is about an anatomy student who is working on a cadaver for a class project and discovers that, like, the bones inside the cadaver have been all, like, carved with all of these designs, and how is that even possible? Um... And, like, another one is about this couple that go on a vacation to this lake in Germany and, like, there is a thing haunting the lake that is then haunting them. Um, and they're just so intense and weird and strange and wonderful. Uh, and I do think, actually, if you've never read Mabel, it's a good introduction to him, like, because it's his writing can be a lot. Like, it's so intense. It's, it's sometimes hard to read a whole novel of it, like, in a straight sitting. Um, but because you have these, like, separated out, I feel like it's a good introduction to his range. Oh, there's one that's about, like, a therapist that's actually an assassin. Oh, my God, they're so good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm just, like, getting excited thinking about all of the different stories in this collection. So that is Three Moments of an Explosion by China Mabel. All right, my second one is Salsa Nocturna by Daniel Jose Older, which I picked for the comp to Welcome to Night Vale. It's not as, like, absurdist as Welcome to Night Vale, but it's classified as what I would basically call ghost noir, which I feel like has a Night Vale sort of feel, um, except New York. Uh, so this is a collection of 13 linked short stories, mostly about uh, a guy named Carlos who is half dead, half alive, and works for the New York's Council of the Dead, I think. So, like, the afterlife bureaucracy, um, like, towing the line between the, the, the land of the living and the land of the dead, like, trying to keep them separate. Um, so you follow him on a lot of his adventures, and every short story is about a different ghost or a different ghost situation or, like, ghostly situation. But the great thing about this collection is that they mostly take place in, like, Brooklyn and, like, not literary fiction Brooklyn, but, like, 
Brooklyn. Um, and so if you, I, there's, I'm trying to think of like, if you like horror, but they're not that scary. They're just creepy. They're like chilling, I think is a good way to put it. Um, very Halloween, a great read for this time of year. And I love that linked short stories thing, especially for somebody who doesn't want to sit down and read like an entire novel who like needs a new story every chapter, every couple of, uh, you know, dozen pages or so, but there's still like a thread, like a narrative that pulls you through the whole book. Um, so that might be useful for your boyfriend who's looking for something to read in one sitting that isn't actually, you know, a novel. Um, so yeah, Salsa Nocturna by Daniel Jose Older. One of the, 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 uh, one of the main characters that's in this, the, the thread that, you know, weaves through all of these stories, Carlos, is actually the main character of a second book that Older wrote called Half Resurrection Blues, which I would also recommend, but that is an entire novel. So um, not necessarily <laughs> for your boyfriend, but like, for everyone else listening, go read Half Resurrection Blues. So that's Salsa Nocturna by Daniel Jose Older. Um, my second pick for your boyfriend is Vampires in the Lemon Grove by Karen Russell, which is just great. Um, she has written one other short story collection, the title of which I cannot remember. Um, oh, St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves, which is a really good title, but really hard to remember. And then Swamplandia is her novel. Um, this collection came out most recently, and it is just... I, so, some stories are so funny and delightful, and you're just like, oh, what a clever concept. Like, there's this one where it's all about these people who, like, root... They pick teams, and they have turned the annual, like, whales versus, like, plankton into a sporting event which is just hilarious. Um, they're like tailgating Mother Nature. It's really great. And then there's another collection about a community of women held captive in a silk factory who are like turning into human silkworms and plotting to take over the factory, which is really creepy. Um and disturbing. Um, and it, the whole collection kind of does that. It bounces back and forth between things that are, like, really clever and entertaining and things that are just, like, you might have to put the book in the freezer for a minute. Like, it's very... <laughs> it has a lot of range. Uh, and so I feel like that is a, just a good thing. And then if he likes it, there's um, St. Lucy's Home for Girls Right by Wolves is, is also a great short story collection. So there's more where that came from. Uh, so that is Vampires in the Lemon Grove by Karen Russell. Okay, next sponsor. It's me. I am not the sponsor. I am going to tell you about the sponsor, which is The Lovely Reckless by New York Times bestselling author Cami Garcia. Um, you might know her from her YA novels, uh, which includes the Beautiful Creatures series, but this is her very first contemporary romance novel. Our heroine is Frankie Devereaux, who is haunted by the memory of her boyfriend's death, and so she's just kind of throwing her life away. She's decided nothing matters, um, and that is just how she's going to live from now on. Um, she is forced to move from a very privileged privileged life in one neighborhood of D.C. to transfer to a public school um, in a significantly less privileged area. Um, and in the new school, like... Illegal street racing is more popular than football. So she's having a hard time fitting in. Um, and she also doesn't care. And then she meets Marco Leone, who is the fastest street racer in the Downs. Uh, and he makes it impossible for her to ignore him. Um, but talk about risk-taking. Like, he is taking risks that Frankie has never considered. So this is the story of how they met and what happens to them after they meet. Um, they're pitching it as Fast and Furious meets Romeo and Juliet. Yet, which kind of delights me because anything that's like Fast and Furious related delights me. I can't help it. It's just a thing. Um, and apparently, uh, Cami Garcia, this is interesting to me. She was inspired partly by her own experience growing up in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. And I've read other novels that do talk about this like division that exists outside of D.C., which is, I think is super interesting. So if that sounds appealing to you, you should check it out. Um, that is The Lovely Reckless by Cami Garcia. And thanks for sponsoring the show. Oh, no, I just closed my agenda. No, no wait, getting it back. No, I got it. I got it. It's okay. coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> Fat fingers. I just, like, did not click the right thing there. Okay. Sorry about that, everybody. Our next question, because it is still me, is <laughs> from Jenny. And she says... 
I love fun books, but what I mean by that are books that make the words quote-unquote pure fun come to mind. I'm thinking in particular of The Martian and Ready Player One, two books that in terms of subject matter are not at all what I'm normally into, but I love both of them so much. Um, Names a couple of other books. Basically, what are some books you would recommend to someone looking for just a fun reading experience? Um... And then it goes on to say maybe also puzzly books. So, yes, okay, I sort of compressed that question. <laughs> um, Amanda, talk. <laughs> okay, my first pick is The Hallowed Ones by Laura Bickle, which is Amish, vampire, YA. Whee! And I don't know what else is more fun than Amish. I'm, can you see the exclamation points that I put here? <laughs> Amish, vampire, YA. <laughs> so Katie is Amish. She is uh, 16 or 17, I don't remember, but she's about to go on Rumspringa. She's really excited about it because uh, she wants to like kind of go out and see the world a little bit. And then she's going to come home and marry her childhood sweetheart and like do the thing. Um, and so that's what's happening. She's uh, living her life. And then rumors of like big unrest on, in the outside world start to come in, trickle in a little bit. And then um, the community that surrounds her Amish community, like what are they called? The English? The... Um, not Amish people, um, it starts to kind of spread a little bit into her community, uh, this unrest that's happening. Like a friend of hers who is not Amish comes to visit and then her cell phone stops working. And then they find like a dead cow with its throat ripped out in one of their fields. And they realize that something like awful is going on. So the elders in her community make a rule that no one can leave and no one can come in. And they like, close the boundaries of their community. But then Katie finds a really injured um boy young man whatever teenage boy um on their property she smuggles him into her family's barn because she doesn't want to leave him to die and it turns out that what's happening is there are vampires like a vampire outbreak kind of like in the 12 uh, or the passage rather the justin cronin novel uh, like a virus has escaped and turned everyone into vampires and uh she and her she has to figure out how to save this boy without her family finding out and also how to save her community to save herself she can't figure out why um, her community is safe from this vampire invasion, but, like, people on the outside are obviously not. And so there's, like, a mystery. And it's just fun and weird. Like, I don't know what else to say about Amish Vampire YA. Like, I read, there's also a <laughs> sequel. It's a series. So there are more, <laughs> if you would like more Amazing. Amish Vampire YA. Which I read these, I read both of these, I think, in a day. Like, I, like one, I just sat down and plowed through them. Maybe during a readathon, I don't remember. But they're just so much fun and not at all frightening. Um... So a good Halloween read if you tend to be kind of, like, not into being actually scared. (laughs) But you still want to participate. So that's The Hollowed Ones by Laura Bickle. I feel like I have to insert a shout-out to Sorcerer to the Crown uh, by Zen Cho into this because that is just the most fun, but we've recommended it so many times. I'm not allowed to recommend it again, so I have (laughs) other books for you, but I just want to mention Sorcerer to the Crown. Um, Okay, so my first pick for you is both a puzzly book and a really delightful book. It is The Bards of Bone Plain by Patricia McKillop. Um, She's just great. She writes these really sort of dreamy fantasy novels that are they're not all quite in the same world um and some of the worlds are like more like ours than others but they're all they i mean you see her through lines just in the way she writes and she's really good at it um and this one came out like relatively recently um and then it's about a guy named felon clay who is um a grad student for bartery I guess like he he goes to bard school and he's a graduate student and he's doing his like equivalent of a thesis on this um story about a place called Bone Plain and people have been studying it for 500 years and they disagree on whether or not it's real and there's all of this stuff about it and he kind of picks it as like an easy out topic there's a lot to say even though nobody knows anything so he's just kind of like doing it to do it. Um, And then in the meantime, his father, who's kind of this, like, gad about town, is always turning up drunk places, and nobody really understands, like, where he gets all of his money, but he's lots of it, and he's funding this dig. Um, And he seems, it turns out, to be looking for something very specific, only we don't know what it is. And there's also, there's a bunch of other characters, and they all kind of get sucked into this central mystery that involves basically everyone in the book. Um, and you get, like, one little clue after another, and new people come in, and you're like, oh, I wonder how they fit into this. And it's just a really satisfying reading experience and also a really fun fantasy novel. Um, 
I love bard stories. And this one has kind of like a slightly modern feel to it. Like I could see it taking place in an like alternate England of the 1950s or something. Like there's cars, but also there's bards. So, you know, <laughs> that. <laughs> so that's The Bards of Bone Plain by Patricia A. McKillop, which I took as an invitation to see how many times I could say the word bard. <laughs> Answer is a lot. <laughs> All right, my second pick for you is Blackbirds by Chuck Wendig, which is the first in a series, the Miriam Black series. And this is a book about Miriam Black, obviously, um, who is kind of a man. How to not insultingly describe her. Um, (laughs) Down on her luck, brash and vulgar drunk, uh, whose life is falling apart. She's got a superpower, though, which is that she knows how you're going to die. Like, if she touches you skin to skin... She knows exactly the date, time, and manner of your death. Like, she foresees it. So, obviously, she's stopped trying to get close to people. It's made her life, like, completely miserable, as it would. But it's also how she survives. Like, uh, she'll go to a seedy dive bar, get super drunk, touch somebody, and then if she realizes he's going to die soon, she'll just, like, hang out around him till he kicks it and then take his wallet. Like, this is, she's kind of a petty criminal a little bit, but... She's just taking advantage of the knowledge that she has. She's not actually like, committing murder. Um, and she's realized after when she first found her powers and, real- and like would try to stop people um, from succumbing to the fate that she knows is coming and then like disaster happened because you know, they either think she's crazy or she messes up like the space-time continuum or whatever. She's just stopped trying to do that. She no longer tries to prevent people's deaths. She's half the time doesn't tell them. Sometimes, sometimes she tells them, but anyway. Um, so she's given up on trying to save people. But then she hitches a ride with a trucker named Lewis shakes his hand and sees that he's going to die in 30 days. But it's not that he's going to die. It's that he's going to be murdered while he's screaming her name. So she has somehow messed up the loop here. Like there's some sort of weird paradox thing happening and she has to figure out um, what's going on so that she can save this guy. Because obviously she's directly responsible for his death, which has never happened before. And she has to save herself. So it's like weird six feet under stuff happening, um, except she's a jerk. Whereas the characters from Six Feet Under aren't necessarily drugs. Um, but I, the thing that I like about this, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like, it's a super fun, strange, and weird book. But Miriam is also just, like, such a trashy jerk. I just love her so much. Like, you don't often meet a protagonist, a female protagonist, who's so unlikable, but in, like, a likable way. Like, that gruff and, you know, gross dude with a heart of gold thing is so common in fiction, but not necessarily common with female characters. So I kind of appreciate that she exists. So that's Blackbirds by Chuck Wendig. My second pick for you is one of the most fun things I've read in a while. Uh, it came out last year. It's The Regional Office is Under Attack! Exclamation mark by Manuel Gonzalez. Um, it is about a place called The Regional Office that is like a organization for... If there were if there were a bunch of buffies, like a, a gaggle of vampire slayers or whatever, they would all go to the regional office for training. Like they seek out and train girls with supernatural powers um, when they're young enough to be like sought out and trained um, and sort of recruit them to fight the forces of darkness. Um, and what you come to find out as you read this book is that perhaps they are not everything they seem to be um and there are there is a force inside of the regional office that is working to bring about its downfall and so you get the story of two characters um one is rose and one is sarah and they are on different sides of this split um and you get both of their perspectives and it's like a super like whiz bang pow sort of plot line like there's a lot of like crawling through air ducts and like battling other people and creatures and people who are creatures um and (laughs) And then there's, like, you know, the backstory of how the regional office was formed and, like, what are they even doing? And uh, it's kind of entertaining because you don't really know what the forces of darkness are. Like, it's all about the sort of interpersonal relationships inside the organization, which I think is very unusual. Like, I've never read a book quite like that. Um, And I just thought it was really fun. There's a robot arm. Somebody has a robot arm. Like, what more do you want? So that is The Regional Office is Under Attack by Manuel Gonzalez. All right, question six. This is from Danny. She says, I've always loved dystopian fiction. I feel like I've read a lot of the popular YA dystopias, but I'm trying to find some books that are a bit grown up. I'm ready for characters that are past their teen years. I really, really enjoyed The Handmaid's Tale, so something with some feminist themes would be great. I'm ready for a dystopia with some weight. That will leave me a lot to think about. Um, 
Do you want to do your? Do you actually want to do this rant? I mean, you go, she's got I one in the show notes. I just want to say for one second that the word <laughs> dystopia has become a marketing term that doesn't actually mean dystopia anymore. So, like, there are things that are just that take place in the future or are post-apocalyptic that are not actually a dystopia. Like, what a dystopia used to mean is a book about a government that, like, seems to be perfect on the outside, like a utopia, but it's actually a disaster and corrupt and terrible on the inside. Um, so that's all I wanted to say, is that people don't always know what the word dystopia... I mean, not that, Danny, it sounds like you do know what dystopia is, but marketing people don't always know what dystopia <laughs> is, so I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Sorry. All right. You're right, though. You're so right. Yup. Also, okay. your first pick was one I thought about, so I'm so really glad you picked it. Oh, great. All right. So my first pick is a graphic novel or a series of graphic novels. It's Lazarus, Volume 1. Obviously, you would start with Volume 1. Um, by Greg Rucka is the author and the artist is uh, Michael Lark. And this man, this is such a cool dystopia. So it's near future, not that far up in the future. Um, the government doesn't really so much exist anymore. And resources, natural resources are super depleted. Um, instead of a government, we've got f- families. And the family's function is corporations. So like mob-style corporate rule, and I was about to make a Trump joke, and I'm going to restrain myself, and I'm sorry. And um, so the instead of, like, the government of the U.S., you've got two or three families that rule different sections of the U.S., and they're, uh, the families are also companies. Anyway, um, and so each family has what's called a Lazarus, which is a person who's been genetically engineered to defend them, like a, not just a bodyguard, but it also they also defend their interests. And the Lazarus in this book, the main character's name is Forever. She's Forever Carlisle. She defends her family's interests and, like, actual bodies um, through force and also through, like, lying and manipulation and all of these insider politics with other families. Um, and near the beginning of the book, she's shot defending the family home. And then her day just kind of deteriorates from there. Like, she's... Um, genetically engineered to be a great fighter and to be basically not immortal, but like kind of indestructible. So when she's shot, she kind of immediately recovers. She's got a lot of super strength and super speed and all of that. Um, and she thinks that she is a member of this family, of the Carlisle family. Like she, she thinks that the patriarch is her father. Um, he treats her like she is his child. Um, and so she's got to discover like secrets about her siblings and about her parents um, about her worth and her use, but the dystopia part that exists that happens in this book is a lot about um, class class struggle and like the horribly destructive effects of the current iteration of capitalism that our society exists within. The art is really great, and it will definitely give you lots to think about. And it's super violent, so not not <laughs> YA appropriate. <laughs> I mean, it opens with her getting shot. So I mean, Hunger Games is also super violent, though. True Let's story. Not forget. That's a fair point. I saw like an eight or nine year old girl reading Hunger Games at a Mexican restaurant the other day, and I was like, well. Okay, like, yeah. I didn't know what to think about that. That's well. But I anyway, mean, that's Harry Potter is pretty violent too when it comes down it is. to it. It's just, I mean, no judgment. If your kid's no. ready for it, then yeah, yeah. Like, go to town. It was just like I was such a squeamish eight-year-old, I would have freaked out. But Aww. anyway, so that's Lazarus by Greg Rucka. Um, my first pick for you is Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Uh, you may have heard of it. <laughs> Maybe you <laughs> haven't, though. Um, they did make a movie out of it. I have not seen the movie. I don't know if I ever will. Maybe someday. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um... So this book is about a group of children uh, who are students at a very exclusive boarding school that's like off in the English countryside. And at the at the start of it, you think that this is just a very sort of posh uh, novel about a bunch of kids growing up. Um, and then slowly but surely, you start to find out that nothing in this book is what you think it is. Um, Kathy is now a young woman. She's looking back on her life and starting to like understand how everything she's ever believed is a lie. Uh, So this book is like a really big mind game, and it goes really interesting places. Um, And it's just not at all what you expect when you first pick it up. So I think this there will be lots to chew over um, when you're reading this book. So that is Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. All right, my second one is When She Woke by Hilary Jordan, which I heard described as the Scarlet Atwood. Which it's, is a really that's great. accurate. I thought about this one, too. <laughs> yeah, which it's like a really, yes, it, that nails it. So in this um, near future, also, dystopia, there's no separation of church and state, and the government can no longer 
pay for the upkeep of prisoners. So instead of putting them in jail when you commit a crime, they dye your skin a certain color. Uh, dependent that like the color corresponds with what you've done so the main character in this book wakes up and her skin has been dyed red red is the color that they dye you when you've committed murder and then they set you free into society to just like survive or not uh with this hence like the scarlet letter you know illusion uh with your skin the color of whatever it is you've done her crime uh is that she was convicted of it was murder but what she did was had an abortion and the father was a churchman so they she wakes up read and they set her free and then she has to go and struggle and do the thing obviously it has a lot of relevance to the current political climate even though it was written i think in 2011 or 20 anyway not that long ago um but unfortunately this topic gets more and more relevant uh, as time goes by um so i'm not going to get more into it because spoilers but it's such a fascinating premise and very handmaid's taily which you said you enjoyed so i think you'll like this so that's when she woke by hillary jordan my second pick for you is Jennifer Government by Max Barry, which is a little more on the, like, satirical uh, dystopia side of things. Also very action-packed. Um, it takes place in a future not unlike Lazarus, where it's a near future, but instead of families, it's run by giant corporations. And you, you're, the employees, like, you take the last name of the company you work for. Um, so hence our main character, Jennifer, works for the government. Um, but, like, one of the characters is named Hack Nike. Um, <laughs> and he works with, like, John Nike and other John Nike. Um, <laughs> other other John, I mean, think about it. Like, it's so, anyway, it cracks me up every time. Um, so this guy gets a contract that he doesn't read very closely. Like, he thinks he's getting a marketing promotion. Um, and actually what he gets hired to do is shoot teenagers to build up street cred for, like, a, a new marketing line of, you know, sneakers or whatever. Um, and he goes to the police, but they, like, there's a series of misunderstandings that lead to them subcontracting an assassin. And then Jennifer Government, who is, like, a, this, like, a totally awesome, like, kick-butt heroine um, who is, like, a government agent. Um, she's got a barcode tattoo under her eye. Um, and she's got, like, all of these personal issues with Nike to begin with. So she's on the case. And then things just go even more haywire from there. Um, and it is just a really fun, smart, thinky, action-y kind of novel that it it's, like, funny because it's true kind of thing. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's not so far removed uh, from what some things are happening today. Um, but in a fun way, in a way that you're just, like, you're a little bit depressed, but also you're enjoying the reading experience. So, because dystopia can get real depressing. Uh, so that is Jennifer Government by Max Barry. That's our show. We did it. Six questions. Right. Yeah, I know. Every time we get six in, I'm like, yes, pat on the back. Uh -huh. So please go rate us on iTunes or leave a review. It makes the show easier to find for other people. You can find us on social media. I'm at I'm Amanda Nelson. Jen is at Jen IRL. Jen with two N's. And thank you so much to our sponsors for sponsoring the show. We will talk to you all next week. 